As the days get cooler, I figured this was like the last day to wear a Hawaiian shirt. No. You mean you can wear Hawaiian shirts every day? All right, very good. We have embarked on a new series. It is basically our We Believe series. We have talked about several things. We talked about grace last week. We talked about how wrong the world gets grace. They think that grace is still earned and it's not. It's a free gift. It's a free gift from God. And uh, on your outline, if you grab it, you'll notice that we have a statement that comes from our uh, bylaws and it's just a statement of, of faith that says we believe in God's saving grace. We talked mostly about that last week. We believe, we believe, don't we? We believe in God's saving grace, his free gift. And then it says that calls all people to faith, to repentance, to confession, baptism, and a new life and ministry through the Holy Spirit. Now, today in the Bible, we do not have one passage. We have, literally, we could have a thousand passages today. Because anytime the Bible talks about salvation, about having eternal life, about receiving eternal life, it uses six primary words. And we're going to go over those words, and then at the end, I'm going to tie it all up together with just a little object lesson. But the very first fill in the blank is the word here. Now, you might think that's kind of silly that you have to hear about the gospel, but you do. In fact, the Bible uses the word here 593 times. Not everyone in connection to salvation, but many are attributed and connected to salvation. And when it says that you must hear, you got to hear about Jesus. The Jesus of the living word because the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have we have beheld his glory and we have seen it and then later on in that same passage says he's given us the the opportunity to become sons and so when we say we have to hear about Jesus in these scriptures it's always connected to hearing about the real Jesus of the Word of God, because He is the Word of God. I'm not talking about the Jesus of the cults, Mormons, Jehovah Witnesses, other people that have taken the Word of God and twisted it to make Jesus something that He's not. Or, I'm not talking about the Jesus of Hollywood. How many of you have seen movies about Jesus and you go, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right, because they take liberties and they, they present a Jesus that's not real. Or, can I say this? A Jesus of our own imagination. We, because we're such a consumer-driven culture, it's like we come to the Bible sometimes like it's a buffet. And we say, well, I like this verse. I'm going to put that on my plate. Oh, I don't like that verse. I'm going to ignore that one. How many of you do that at a buffet? Yeah, you go for all the good stuff and you leave the, the broccoli and the Brussels sprouts and all that stuff behind, right? You go for the good stuff. And, and, but no, when we hear the word here in the Bible, 
referencing salvation, referencing Jesus. It's always the Jesus of the Bible. Uh, In John it says, truly, Jesus is talking, truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Or uh, Jesus says this in John, to him the gatekeeper opens and the sheep do what? They hear his voice. And he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. Or in Acts, or the very first sermon Peter, Peter preaches, he says, men of Israel, hear these words. And he presents the gospel that Jesus left the splendor of heaven and came down to rescue us. Or when Cornelius had an angel talk to him and he goes and he sends for Peter and he says these words. So I've sent for you at once and you have been kind enough to come, Peter. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear about what God has commanded you. Or when Paul was on Cyprus, he was with the proconsul, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Or another time, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and says, Brothers, you know that in the early days, he's talking to the council, trying to figure out if Gentiles should become Jews first. And he says, In the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear. Am I being repetitive now? Are Are you starting to understand that the word hear is oftentimes connected to the salvation of people. Now the slide that I have is this, and many of the Corinthians hearing, and I don't know if you can see, that's in, that's in red, Paul believed and were baptized. And then the most famous one is this one out of Romans, I did not put it up, but he says, faith cometh by what? Hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So the very first fill in the blank is here. Man, that's a part of of that response that we have to the gospel message. Now, the next fill in the blank is the word believe. Is believe important? Yes, thank you. You, that's That's a word that's oftentimes associated with coming to Christ, being set free. It's used in the Bible 287 times. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Or, you know, the first verse that most of us have learned. What was, what was the first verse you learned as, as a Christian? John 3.16, right? And how does that say? For God so loved the world, they gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, what? Believes in him should have everlasting life. And then... In John 36, it says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Here's the slide for believe, though. And that is, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life. He has eternal life. He has not come into the judgment, but has passed from death to life. That, That has been one of my favorite verses. Actually, I'm probably like you. You have too many favorite verses, right? It's like, oh, that's my favorite verse. Oh, that's my favorite story. And then, oh, no, that's my favorite verse. Oh, that's my favorite. Whoever believes, hears, 
has eternal life. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, but whoever believes in me. Is belief important? Absolutely. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right? Man. Acts 16, when he was talking to the Philippian jailer, and he, he said, oh, how do I get saved? And he says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be what? Saved. So the word here is connected to salvation. The word believe many times throughout scripture is connected to salvation. Romans 1.6, another favorite. <laughs> For I am not ashamed of the gospel, but the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. First to the Jew and then to the Greek, right? To everyone who what? Can you guess the word? Believes. Believes. That's right. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Believe, believe, believe. You can just go through the whole New Testament. Every time you were, read the word believe, you can underline it, and it's going to be probably connected to the act of salvation, the process of salvation, the response to salvation. Now the third word is the word confess. So that's your fill in the blank. And it's an interesting word. It's, it actually is the word homo, lego. That, that means the same speak. That's what the, the Greek word means. Homo lego. It means that you confess what's in here. You are speaking, you are agreeing, and you can confess your sin, and what you're doing is you're agreeing in your heart, or you're agreeing with God. Same speak. He calls it sin, you call it sin, you confess. And there are many times, in fact, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, the word is used 42 times. Here's the very slide to confess. It says this. If you... What? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? You're going to be saved. That, that This word confess is used 40 times. In 2 Corinthians it says, By the approval of this service, it will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Jesus. When you confess, you're agreeing with the gospel. You're agreeing that you're a sinner and need to be saved. Hallelujah. You're agreeing to get off the curve. You're agreeing with God. When you confess the gospel, you say, I can't do this on my own. I'm broken. I need you. You're confessing that. Or when Timothy was in his ministry, Paul says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses hebrews it says let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful or first john 4 15 am i be becoming repetitive i hope i am i hope that this is drilling down deep inside here believe confess Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, 
and he in God. And then we've heard of the word repent. That's the next slide. Repent. Used 69 times in the word of God. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, it says, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent! Repent! Turning from your own ways, turning to God's way. It's not regret. Regret is completely different. But repent says, if I had the chance to do it over again, I would not do it. Regret says, oh, I'm sorry I got caught. And if I had the chance to steal again, I might do it. If I had the chance to blaspheme God again, to whine to God, to do anything, you, you would do it again. But repent says to, to change and turn back towards God. Acts chapter 3.19 says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Does that have to do with salvation? Sure sounds like it. Or in Luke chapter 24, you've heard of the Great Commission? Nod your head if you've heard of the Great Commission. Matthew 28, go therefore into all the world. But in Luke, Jesus says a very similar thing in a similar time frame, but it, it says slightly different. He says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer on the third day, rise from again, and that repentance, there's that word again, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. Acts chapter 5, God exalted him as right hand as leader and savior, giving to give repentance to Israel. When they heard these things, they glorified God, and then they said in the same council, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Acts chapter 17, the times of ignorance overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. And so this, this concept, this word, this process, this, this aspect of, of salvation has this idea of repent. To repent. Acts chapter 26, he's talking to King Agrippa. And he says, I wasn't disobedient to the heavenly vision, but first declared those into Damascus what I saw, that they should repent and turn to God. Okay, repent, big word, lots used lots of times. So we have here, we have believe, we have confess, we have repent. And now we're going to look at the word baptized. Used 80, no, 93 times. More than confess, more than repent. Next slide, 8, 12 out of Acts. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news, by the way, preaching implies hearing. As he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were what? They were baptized. They were baptized. And then in um, Acts chapter 9, Saul, when he was converted and he accepted Christ, he rose and was baptized. Uh, Philippian jailer, we already talked about, but he said, what should I do? And uh, believe in the Lord. And that very night he was baptized. And then in Romans it says, don't you know that all of you who are baptized into Christ have been united with Christ. You've been united with Christ through baptism. And if we've been 
united with him in a death like his, we're going to be united with him in a resurrection like his. Or in Galatians where it says, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. Or in Colossians where it says, Your heart's been circumcised. Did you know that? Your heart has been circumcised because he says, In him you also were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. Now, the next word, and it's our last word, is the word faith. Do you need faith? Yes, you do. Remember the woman that had been bleeding for 12 years? She had blown all of her money on the doctors. And she thought, oh, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So she's weak. You know what? Well, maybe, maybe uh, Tammy once had to have a blood transfusion, okay? Because her, her, her blood level was so low that the doctor said that if she happened to get a cut or get in an accident, a car accident, she would bleed out because... Her, her, she was so, uh, what's, anemic. So anemic. And, and so, now where was I going with that? Oh, thank you. This woman's been bleeding for 12 years. You think she's weak? You think she's tired? You think she doesn't have enough energy to get out of bed because she's anemic? And yet she fights her way through the crowd to touch the hem of, of Jesus' garment. And then guess what? Jesus stops everybody and says, wait, wait, somebody touched me. And Peter goes, who do you think touched you? The whole crowd's touching you. And then the lady came down and she confessed. She said, I touched you. And what does Jesus say? I love it. Take heart, daughter, a tender word. Your faith has what? Made you well. That's right. Or the two blind men, Jesus is passing in, have mercy on us, son of David. And he says, have it done, I mean, you know, give us sight. Have it done according to your what? Faith. Or the Canaanite woman who said, please heal my child. She's demon possessed. And Jesus said, no, you're a Canaanite. I've only come to the lost house of Israel, the lost sheep. And he says, it's not right for me to throw bread to the, to the dogs. And this Canaanite woman, incredibly, she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from their master's table. And Jesus says, oh, my stars. He didn't say, oh, my stars, but probably he was thinking it. I don't know. But he says this, great is your faith. Be done to you as you desire. And instantly, the demon left the child. Or when G, uh, uh, Peter and John are, are on their way to the temple and the beggar says, hey, give me some money, give me some money. He says, silver and gold have I what? I don't have any gold, but what I have if I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Walk! And he walks! And when he had to give an account to the Sanhedrin, or to, when he got up to preach, he said, it was because of, of faith in the name of Jesus. Now here's the slide. 
Paul says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith, faith in Jesus, faith in Jesus. Romans is going to say, you've been justified by faith. And we have peace through with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Am I covering a lot of ground today? Yes, I am. I hope you are not bored. I hope you're soaking it in, realizing that these words are powerfully connected to salvation. Powerfully connected. And then, of course, we talked about this one not too long ago in Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved by what? Or through? Faith faith and without faith it is impossible to please him so we have all these words we have hearing and believing and confessing and repenting and dying to self that's what baptism represents it represents dying to self and then of course constantly growing in our faith now this is going to be probably a shorter message than i thought it was going to be because I can't just keep hitting you with it. Maybe I could. But I want to introduce you to a word. And here's the word. Synecdoche. Have you ever heard of the word synecdoche? Okay, then you're going to learn today. Synecdoche, and I'm sorry for the small type, but it, synecdoche is a type of figure of speech which is used very commonly in the English language. It is mostly most simply described as replacing a whole with a part when referring to something such as an item, situation, or place, amongst other things. A good example of synecdoche is that the alphabet may be referred to our ABCs. Or if you say, I got some new keys, what am I referring to? A car. Or I could say, hey, Roger, you got some new wheels. What does he get? He got a new truck. So it's when we don't have to mention every part when we're writing or speaking, we just reference one part. And then the hearers and the listeners go, oh, I know what he's talking about. He's talking about his car. He's talking about the ABCs. Now, synecdoche can be used as a literary device in order to refer to a whole by just referencing a part of the thing. It's to simplify things. And it really comes back to this idea of Hebrew parallelism. Many times in the Old Testament, they will, and especially the Proverbs and the Psalms, they will state it one way, and then they'll state the exact same content, but in a different way. So that it almost clarifies what you're looking at. Now, I set you up, okay? I'm just letting you know, I set you up. Let's look at the next slide. We talked about hearing in this verse, but look what other words are connected. Hearing's in red, belief is in red, baptism is in red. So he's connecting all three of these at this point. How about the next one? Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my voice and believes. Oh, there's here again, and there's believes again. Again, they're connecting these things together. How about the next one? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and what? Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Wow. 
Hebrew parallelism is going on, but also one part representing the whole. Let's go on to the next one. Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and what? Die to self. That's what it is. You got to die to self. Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me. How about the next one? But when they believed Philip as he preached, again, preaching implies hearing, the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. How about the next one? I did not shrink from declaring, again hearing, to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of what? Repentance toward God and of faith. So when these words are used, they're words in such a way that one part represents the whole. Now, I have some Play-Doh. I'm going to try to not make a mess here. And I want you to see this. Because I like visuals. Visuals help me. Let this represent the word here. Here, we saw independently and in conjunction with other words was connected to salvation, right? Connected. And then this is believe, right? And, and so we'll put those kind of squish them together. And then this one will be confess. So we'll put this one together. Looks like I'm playing in Pat's chemistry class with electrons and neutrons and atoms. And let's, let's say this one represents repenting. So now it's getting bigger, right? Here, believe, confess, repent. Here's dying to self. Connected. And here's the last one, faith. Now, sometimes we like to take what Scripture has given us, synecdoche, and try to pick it apart. We're Greeks. We've learned that method. And then we think, oh, I've been baptized, so I'm saved. Well, wait, is there repentance? Is there confession? Or did you, when you were in the sixth grade at church camp, say some words and really there wasn't any hearing of the gospel, there wasn't any real faith, then you know what? You just got wet. Or if you were, you were sprinkled as a child or even dipped as a child, but it isn't connected to repentance and faith and confession, then wait a second. We're mis misunderstanding scripture by taking one thing out and saying, well, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that the demons confess Jesus. What? Oh yeah, how many times did Jesus run across a demon and he said, I know who you are. You are the son of God. That's a confession, guys. But are demons saved? No. What? They gotta have faith. They gotta repent. They gotta believe. They gotta die to self. Well, well what about uh, belief? 
Well, doesn't James say that even the demons believe? And what do they do when the demons believe? Anyone? They shudder. James says, faith without works is dead. And what James is talking about is, you got to hear, you got to believe, you got to repent, you got to confess, you got to you got to die to self. You got to have faith. Now, I, I was trying to think about how to illustrate that because we do head, heart, hand, right? Hear, hear, hear. We we hear, we internalize it. What does God's word say to me? And then what does it look like? This is faith. This is what this is faith. And it encapsulates all this this synecdoche, or. Repent versus regret. A lot of people have regret, don't they? But if they have the same situation again, they do the same thing again. That's not repentance. Regret leads to sorrow, but not godly sorrow. But repentance says, I change. And so I I want you to see that when Scripture is talking about, because, again, we started off saying this, we believe in God's saving grace that calls all men to faith, repentance, confession, baptism, and a new life and ministry through the Holy Spirit. And so, are we to stop hearing the gospel after we're saved? Are we to stop being engaged in the word? Have we just checked it off our list uh, of to-dos? Oh yeah, I got saved, I said a prayer. Wait, 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 wait a second, that's not what it's talking about. You can't isolate every one of these things because it is constant. We're constantly hearing the word of God, right? How many of you are are constantly believing? Believing God? Yeah. Belief isn't a one-time event. Oh, It's not mental assent. It doesn't mean, oh, I believe. You know, if we were to take a poll of Americans, 90, I think the the last stat I read was like 86% of the Americans believe that Jesus was a real figure and he died from the cross and he died for our sins. But they've never died to self. They've never repented. They've never confessed him as Lord. They don't have a faith. They don't have a saving faith, if you want to qualify it that way. But mentally, they believe that he existed just like George Washington did. And yes, he died on the cross for my sin. And that's all it requires to go to heaven. Wait, that's not how we respond to God's grace, is it? We're constantly hearing, constantly believing. How about constantly confessing? Are you constantly confessing? Both, hey, Lord, this is how I messed up today. I agree with you. Homo lego, I agree with you. Or, yes, Jesus is a Christ and I'm a sinner. I'm the worst of sinner. And I need grace. I need, I, man, we're constant. So we're constantly hearing. We're constantly believing. We're constantly confessing. And we're constantly repenting. Don't you get tired of saying, oh, when will I grow up? Or maybe you're he- tired of hearing that from somebody else. You ask, you know, you're like, oh, when will I grow up? When will I become mature? When will I stop being petty? When will I stop whining against God? How many of you during this COVID-19 have, have whined towards God? Yes, we've whined. Let's admit it. Let's confess it. Let's repent of it. Right? See, it's not... When, when scripture talks about this synecdoche, this one part representing the whole, you can use any one of these words and it all is going to refer back to the same six. Dying to self. That's the next one. You got to die to yourself. 
I have been crucified with Christ. That means death. Therefore, I no longer live, but what? Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God who loved me, delivered himself up for me. Wow. I'm constantly learning to die to self. You get married and you don't think you're going to be servant, don't get married. Somebody say amen. Let me say that again. If you're thinking about getting married and you don't want to be a servant, then don't get married because that's what you become. You become a servant. At least that's the biblical model. Constantly dying to ourselves and glorifying Christ, letting Christ live in us. Christ live in us. Christ live in us. And then the last one is faith. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful faith. Where you know it in here. You know, it, it's gone from just this journey of the head and mental ascension down to the, and let's not use our, our heart, let's use the, the, the biblical method, down to our gut. We know it. We know Jesus is the Christ. We know he loves us. And we walk it out whether the, we're on the mountaintop or whether we're on the valley. We know that our faith is in Christ Jesus because we have come to know him personally. And so we're constantly hearing, constantly believing, constantly confessing, constantly repenting, constantly dying to self, constantly growing in our faith. That's why I love, I love communion because of what Paul says. He says in Corinthians, he says, examine yourself, reflect. Are you growing in your faith? Do you trust Jesus more today than you did yesterday? I'm going to put somebody on the spot, okay? Charles, I'm going to put you on the spot, okay? Do you love Jesus more today than when you were 50? Say yes. <laughs> okay, maybe I didn't use the right word. Do you have more faith in Jesus today than you were when you were younger? I know my faith is growing. My faith is growing. I, your faith is going to continue to grow. Why? Because you're constantly doing these things. Hearing, believing, confessing, repenting, dying to self. And your faith in what? It grows. It grows. What a beautiful thing. What a beautiful thing. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you are not always having to repeat yourself in the same long list as if it is something like a punch list, but something that's real and vibrant of hearing and believing and confessing and repenting and dying to self and, yes, growing in our faith. Lord, we love you. As many times people or even the disciples had to say, Oh, Lord, increase my faith. That's what we ask today that we believe that you call all men to your saving grace through the responses that you have outlined in Scripture for us. And when we act out and respond in those incredible ways, our faith matures, it grows. We become more and more in love with you, more devoted to you, 
more disconnected to the power of sin and the power of our culture and the power of the junk that the world would try to soil our garments with, we give it up to you. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We've had a busy morning this morning. We've had some fellowship this morning. We've looked at a weird concept called synecdoche that we use all the time that we didn't quite see clearly in scripture, but now we do. But those things that we talked about, the hearing, the believing, the confessing, the repenting, the dying to self, the journey of faith, I think comes to almost a crescendo when we take communion together. Sometimes we hold the bread and cup together and sometimes it's passed and you take it when you're ready because the word says to examine yourself. It can be time of reflection. Many times it can just be a time of worship where you are overwhelmed by his presence and you're overwhelmed by his grace and you're overwhelmed by his mercy. The tears actually flow because that's what you're doing. You're entering into his presence and your heart is so thankful and grateful. And all you can do, your, your response there is it's just weeping. Weeping with joy and thankfulness. I'm going to ask Scott and Mitch, would you serve as I pray? Father, bless our time together as we have communion with you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.